Welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. I'm your host, Speed, with me as always, the co-host, Aaron. And boy, oh boy, guys, do we have a show, because the last time around, um, we had a little, we had a little fun adventure. I think we had a fun adventure, we got to meet some, some friends of ours, and had a good old little romp, and then, oh, wait a minute, and everything's all wrong. Oh, that's right. Reset the world. This has major ramifications for this comic moving forward. Uh-oh. Uh, strap in. You're going to need it. Yeah, yeah you are because we've got a we've got a lot to go through. A lot of big changes are going to happen today. So, this is it, this is going to be folks the episode of all time. That's right. I'm saying it right now. The episode of all time. Yeah. This is this is this is this is one of those we're um we're about to get real. Like, real, 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 real. Uh, this is the point where this comic goes from, oh, wow, things seem pretty fun, to, oh, oh, I see. Okay. This is what we're doing today on my Saturday morning comic. This has been a long time coming. So, to start, Sonic the Hedgehog, issue number 230. Wow. 2.30. Ian Flynn writing, Ben Bates doing the art. We open, cutting back to a white flash. Sonic reminiscing about the events of the previous arc, Sonic Genesis. Remembering that he needed more time. More time to... And then we instantly flash back 10 seconds before the incident. You know, the... That incident. Yeah, that incident. Sonic running for Sally, immediately snatching her out of the air, and conveniently dodging the deadly gun directly aimed at her. Crisis averted! We did it, guys! We saved Sally! We did it! Wow, I can't believe they'd get us with that gotcha moment, huh? I can't believe that's the end of the comic, too. (laughs) I know, dude. I know, I know, bro. But you know what? You know what? You know what? It's okay. Things are looking good, right? You know, the emotional roller coaster, we we promise that it's here, but guys, Sally's okay. And that's what matters. And that said turret shoots and destroys Silver Sonic. And then Sonic begins to run down a spiral staircase with Sally, and she looks around and sees something on one of the monitors that denotes the floors. The floor level monitor is replaced with a message which says, Hi, Sal which is what Sonic wrote in the fog glass before the world was reset. Now, folks, this is actually foreshadowing because this is indicating that things from the reset world carried over into the old world. Keep that in the back of your head, okay? Very important concept. Extremely important concept. Do not forget about it. Meanwhile, Eggman presses the button. Doesn't work. And he is enraged he shatters his champagne glass as snively calms in hey everything seems functional it's just not working to which eggman begins to slip back into insanity 
So close, but that stupid hedgehog. Hedgehog. Then brings himself back in. Chaos is the constant. I remember now. Stupid golden rodent. Phase one's a bust, but Snively, status on phase two. Uh, primed and ready, but Sonic and the princess are on their way to... Not to worry, Snively. They won't stop me this time. So, Sally and Sonic are uh, hacking the elevator to get down to what appears to be the bottom of the death egg in order to stop phase two. Sally and Nicole are able to open the elevator, but Sonic rushes in to do a hidden cannon inspection. You know, we can't... Uh-uh. Can't have another one of those, you know? They find a little something else. A little something familiar. Sally thinks it looks like a giant roboticizer. Then that's when Eggman flies in. Yes, indeed. This is a world roboticizer. But Sonic laughs at that. Like, what What are you talking about, roboticizer? You remember those, that time those aliens made everyone on Mobius immune to that? Come on, dude. And then Eggman begins to monologue. Yes, yes, those bothersome Ben. They rewrote the rules of the game, but I changed them back. Surely you noticed the flash of light, the momentary distortion. That was just phase one. Okay, so roboticization works again. So Eggman, by creating, well, a universe reset, Sonic stopping him, it's almost like he kind of planned for that, you know? Just in case. Just in case. Just it's like he's case. trying to manipulate the chaos to his favor. Huh, okay. Sonic says, everything did reset, right? You're bluffing, says Sally. I heard that. Regardless, do you recall, dear princess, what happens when you try to roboticize something that's already mechanical? As Eggman shows a simulation of what appears to be a overlander city. Sonic says what he's talking about. Sally says, oh no, when I tricked him into roboticizing my auto-automation double. That's right, it explodes. All of Gun's forces, all of the United Federation blown back to the Stone Age. And let's not forget, New Mobotropolis. There goes your precious nanite-made city. So Eggman has said... It's all going to hell. Eggman's just balling now. God damn, he's balling now. And it ends with uh, them commenting, but like, what about your dark egg legion? You're going to kill all of them. To which his response, what's your point? <laughs> what? <laughs> Even better is the follow-up to that. I'll have millions of robot slaves to rebuild my robot army. Besides, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few Dark Egg Legionnaires. Hold on, I need to do the line. Hold on. <clears throat> Making the mother of all omelets here, Jack. Can't fret over every egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this plan is uh, extremely fucked up. A little more than normal. Just a little bit. You know, casual genocide of millions of people. Uh, casual enslavement of millions, casually uh, destroying millions upon millions of your own troops. 
Eggman doesn't fucking care anymore, bro. Dog, there are so many war crimes here, I don't even know where to start. Goddamn. More war crimes than fucking Linda, you know? <laughs> that is that the game? Is that the game he was talking about? Yeah, it's the it's the who could commit more war crimes game, Eggman or Linda. Damn. In response to that, Sonic jumps up to attack Eggman. I should have never have shown you mercy, you sick. As Sonic is tackled by Metal Sonic. He's dragged to the floor, also by the still functional Silver Sonic. Sonic's two sides are flanked, he's on the ropes, and Eggman is more than happy with this situation, but he wonders where Sally went. I can tolerate Sonic causing problems, but not you. As Sonic homing attacks through his Eggmobile, and Sonic runs to chase Metal and Silver Sonic off. Ah, yes. It's here. It's, ha- it's oh. time. Oh, it's time, friends. Yeah. While Sonic wonders where Sally is. Sally gets Nicole patched into the network underneath the flooring. Can we block the command signal? Confuse startup processes. No, I am locked out and it is ready to fire. I could potentially invert the beam to this exact point, but do it. But you will not be immune. Make sure your core programs are safe at home. Just give me a manual executable. But you will be Nicole I've been given a second chance. I can save everyone with that. Please, I can't do this without you. Sonic is at his wit's end, screaming, Sal, if you're gonna do something, do it now. Eggman calling for Snively to fire the world roboticizer. As a message on screen says, AI download to new Mobotropolis server complete. Beam inverse override complete. Goodbye, my friend. Execute, yes, no. A tear rolls down Sally's eyes. She thinks to her and Sonic kissing, crying, and says goodbye while pressing the yes button. Flash! Eggman screams in victory before the entire thing explodes, dealing a massive blow to the death egg. And then outside... Tails sees the explosion while he's flying out the tornado. It says, oh, wow, Sonic and Sally must have done something. And oh, boy, did they do something. In the aftermath of the explosion, Snively comes in. The roboticizer has massive energy leaks. It's not just offline. It's gone outright. The Death Egg itself, though, still hasn't lost altitude. And the Ring Matrix is still barely holding on. Eggman claws his way out of some rubble, thinking at the very least, eh, Sonic was probably caught in that explosion. He kicks his way out. Uh, of course not. Sonic has the head of Metal Sonic in his hand. We win again. But Eggman says, you're still on my turf. But Sonic homing attacks him, pins him to the ground, declaring once again, we're gonna win. I'm gonna find Sally, destroy your dumb death egg, then I'll take down Nogus, and the two of you can rot in a cell. And then I'm going to eat a million chili dogs. And then, bam, a fist from the wreckage. Sonic turns. Oh no. Oh, no, 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 no. Eggman starts laughing. Slowly, then louder, more maniacally, as the issue ends with a full-page spread of a now fully 
roboticized Sally Acorn, Hedgehog Priority One. Welcome to the darkest timeline. Welcome to the dark age of the comics, too, and not the way you think. We have entered a period where the emotional roller coaster has only just begun. Yeah, you think this is the the top? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Sally's life may have been saved, but arguably, this is a fate worse than death. To put it lightly, this is where things for our heroes start going from bad to worse to awful. Because good fucking lord. I want to talk about this, right? Because this is legitimately shocking, but I'm speechless. Legitimately, I have no words for this. All I can fear is like the sense of dread because Sally being roboticized was something that we've seen in the comics before. But like that was back in the era where like this was more of like a comedy kind of thing and there's not really like a lot of stakes at play. But now we have the same scenario again, years later. Context has become completely different now. And now we see Sally roboticized in a world where the roboticization cure was removed. And now the Freedom Fighters have been dealt a blow they probably won't be able to recover from. To say this is a game-changing moment is an understatement. The amount of balls it takes to basically rebuild the Sonic-Sally relationship from scratch, uh, having them reinteract, reconnect, and ultimately come to terms with their pasts and finally find a way forward, only to then snatch that away, not once, but twice in the span of five issues. It's unreal. It is unreal. It is unfucking real. It is masterful. And I I mean it's it's so good. I am t- I, I'm hooked. That's what I am. I'm hooked. I can I can only imagine reading these comics as they come out. Getting that slap in the face. I can't wait for next month. What do you mean I have to wait a month for No, I want it now. What the what You're going to drop me with this? This is the last page I see of my new Sonic the Hedgehog comic. What the hell, Ian? It's it's kind of incredible, uh, to put it to put it lightly. So I think I think we've I, I I really think that we cannot overstate like how crazy this decision is. But we do need to move on. There is a story B, but it is so inconsequential that I don't even know if you have notes for it. I have literally one line. Just saying, Story B, Flynn and Peppers did the art. This is just the intro cutscenes for Sonic Generations. I didn't write any more of that. That's 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 literally it, bro. Yeah. There is nothing else to talk about. Sonic Generations is a good game though. Kino. Yeah, that. yeah, Kino, great game. Yeah, I feel like we've 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 talked about it nonstop. So let's move on with this uh earth-shattering revelation in tow. Right. So before we move on though you think listen guys i'm simulating the sonic the hedgehog comic experience now you think we're gonna go on to 231 next no the next thing we got is free comic book day 2012 motherfuckers yeah congratulations you thought you thought you were you thought you were going to get a continuation wrong welcome to pros motherfucker because we got pros out the ass right now so free comic book day 2012 is just a reprint of this issue 
However, the B story was replaced with prose done by Ian to fill in sort of the gaps of what the characters were doing pre and post Genesis Wave reset. So to do it as in a decent amount of time, I can. I can. We begin with Tails. In the reset world, Tails thought Sonic was crazy to fly off on the rocket to who knows where, but you know, it's Sonic. He's got this. He dodges laser fire from the Wing Fortress as the world starts to fade to white around him. He comes back to the old setting. He was a little confused. I don't understand why my heart was going a million miles an hour, but once everything comes back together, he understands. The Tornado and the Freedom Fighter Special are dodging fire from the Death Egg, but eventually it goes quiet. Too quiet. Then without warning, the Death Egg explodes. Ah, sweet. Sonic and Sally must have done something. Cut! Welcome to the Knuckles perspective, with some interesting dialogue. In the reset world, Knuckles was doing a patrol of Angel Island. The Master Emerald kept hidden safely in the halls of the Hidden Palace Zone, and he teleports up to the Sky Sanctuary. He notices the Death Egg in the sky, but doesn't think that much of it. But he can't ignore the whole world fading to white around him. Then Knuckles wakes up in the old world. Felt like a dream to him. And right behind is Julie Sue who said it felt like she was back in the Twilight Cage. And Knuckles kind of feels similar. He says it feels like he re-emerged from the Chaos Force. Julius is saying, you promised you would never bring that up again. I feel like that's Ian talking. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Ian Ian saying, yo, we don't don't talk about it for a reason, motherfucker. (laughs) And then in this scene, Charmy comes in, says he had a dream. Vector and Espio were there. You know, we were detectives. We had an office and everything. A lot of weird feelings, Knuckles figures, but it'll pass. He gets up to do a patrol of the island, but weirdly enough, it feels like he already did. And that's the end of the Knuckles prose. The next prose we have focuses on Amy. In the reset world, she does a tarot reading, which is like part of her character lore that was introduced in Sonic CD's like manual. She has a little... She can read tarot. She's a little witch girl, like many people we know today. Yeah. um, Astrology bitches uh, be like, yo, your sign is uh, Sugma and Ligma. (laughs) So her tarot reading says that one day she will meet her hero, Sonic the Hedgehog. And she's ecstatic. The bit in the reading about two Sonics, that's a little, um, I don't know about that. But who cares? She twirls around in joy, a little too fast, and there's like a little spot of whiteness in her vision. She tries to sit in the grass and just let it pass, but the white spot only grew. And then in the old world, Amy recollects herself, and she slowly starts to remember what's going on. Antoine and Bunny are alright, as is Jeffrey St. John. She thinks he was up to something when all that happened, but he swears up and down, got no idea what's going on. After all, he's just an apprentice to Nagus. All he's got is his meager wind magic. As for Sonic and Sally, they haven't checked in from the Death Egg, and Amy has a bad feeling of what's coming next. Who would have thought Amy is the one with the sharpest instincts on the team? I would have. Listen, that girl, that girl, that girl cooks people. Now the next one, Bunny. In the reset world, she was left in an egg prison capsule, the only Mobian in there. The rest of the animals are scared, but she reassures them There are Mobians out there helping them. I'm sure they'll come sooner or later. At the very least, she hopes that they can go help her cousin, Cream. She's too young to worry about this. Which, for the record, I think this is just flavor text. I don't think Cream and Bunny are related in the main timeline. Don't. 
Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't worry about it at all. So, it all fades to white for Bunny. Then in the old world, the first thing that came to attention was her bionic limbs. She remembers coming to terms with them a while ago, but it felt like for a second, it was different. Antoine's fine, everyone's fine, but they get a call from Tails on the radio. Hasn't heard from Sonic and Sally? Neither have they. But then they see an explosion go off in the Death Egg, knowing... That was because of Sonic and Sally. And Bunny's only upset she didn't get to join in on the fun. Yeah, okay. And the last pros we have is Rotor. He was afraid when the world began to fade to white in the reset world, but with Sally's assurance, he fought back that fear and just let everything go to white. Then in the old world, he was in the middle of changing into his nanite suit to join the fight with his friends, but then he looks at his counselor, Sash. Remembers why he retired from field duty in the first place. The nanite suit was worn to help his family. I got away with it once, but twice? Then he looks up at the special in the tornado fighting the death egg in the sky. He has the assurance to trust his friends. Let them do their job so I can do mine. After all, what's the worst that could happen? Is it hot in here? Yikes, Is it hot in bro. Here? <laughs> uh, uh. And that's the last pros we have. That's the end of Free Comic Book Day 2012 that we will be focusing on. So let, let's not keep the audience waiting. Sonic the Hedgehog 231. Let's, uh, let's, let's see. So we open on a, um, extremely gruesome image. Sally chokes the life out of Sonic gripping him by his neck as Sonic looks directly into Sally's eyes. He has puppy dog eyes because he is so stricken at the loss of the person he loves. He tries to bark it. Come on, Sal, fight it. I know you're in there. Don't let the doc win this one. Please don't make me fight you. <laughs> Oh, I felt the wind get taken out of me, man. Oh, Jesus. And then, as far as Sally's response, her robotic LCD eyes only show malice. Sonic is her target right now. Eggman gets up, saying that the princess has set the plans back, but this is not a bad consolation prize. So let's take out the trash. Then the three go down to the garbage chute. Eggman figuring the sensible thing would to have them both walk into an incinerator, but I want to enjoy this. He opens the hatch, orders Sally, toss him out, and Sonic begs Sally one last time, please don't do this. But Sally says nothing and releases her grip, and Sonic falls out of the death egg. As Eggman gives a slight little cute wave in the side panel, Eggman pats Mecha Sally on the head. Good girl. Thank you, sir. Your word is law. Oh, it is. Snively, prepare for a full assault. Snively tries to respond, but sir, I don't care how damaged we are. I have a death egg. It's got a chaos emerald, and we can destroy new Momotropolis before Sonic hits the ground. That's just it. The chaos emerald is gone. What? I don't know what had happened, but the roboticizer blew, and we're running low on power. Folks, I just want to comment, um, you will never guess where the Chaos Emerald went. You will never guess where it went. But we'll get to that. We will get to that. Eggman's fucking pissed. He walks off and says, Mecha Sally with me. I need to come up with a better name for you. So when Eggman orders the retreat, he also orders Launch Project Titan and Project Deadly Cuddles. 
to delay those freedom fighters. As Sonic falls, Tails catches Sonic on the tornado, and he tells Tails, I, I couldn't save Sally. Again. Look, I'll explain everything later, just get me back up there. And also, where's Nogus? Isn't supposed to be helping us? Oh, he's on the ground, dazed. He's still kind of reeling from what, you know, happened. But from the sky, the Death Egg drops a big orange ball, and it drops onto New Mobotropolis. Now, the panel below that is, of course, our guy, our man, best boy, king of the universe, Big the Cat, throwing up his arms saying, I will protect you, as Vanilla and Cream cower behind him. Titan Metal Sonic is unleashed. With a kaiju roar as well. So Titan Metal Sonic, for those who don't know, is the final boss of Sonic... Well, not Sonic. It's Knuckles Chaotix. Yes, I was going to say Knuckles. I was going to say Sonic Crackers. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you like a C plus for that. Yeah, I don't know why I said I was thinking Sonic Crackers, but yeah, Sonic Crackers is the prototype name for Knuckles Chaotix. But yes, he's the final boss of Knuckles Chaotix, who makes a convenient little appearance here. Now, Project Deadly Cuddles, I really do wonder what that is, because uh, we haven't seen uh, that anywhere. Guess we have to leave that up to the imagination for now. Yeah. In response, Bunny jumps out of the special to go fight Titan. Nogus pulls himself together to go in to fight it as well. So Bunny and Nogus are on path to go fight it. Bunny's laser blasts and Nogus's elemental magic are doing some damage, but the Titan is still wrecking havoc on the city, civilians running for their lives. And then when Nogus touches the ground, he mutters to himself, No, it's not too hard for me to defeat it. I can handle it. I'll show you. I'll show all of you. He fires a beam from his scepter, able to crystallize Metal Sonic but also hits Bunny directly. Crystallizing her alongside it. Oh boy. You want to talk about things getting from bad to worse? Sally's mechanized. Bunny's crystallized. Uh, this is going uh, real downhill real quick, man. Uh, yeah. Now we look at the Death Egg command room. Eggman orders all reserve power to the engines and direct everything else to the Egg Annihilator Beam. Fire on New Mobotropolis. But Snively in his panic says, Well, contact was lost with Titan Metal. The Freedom Fighters are... Is that the princess? He's referring to Mecha Sally. Oh, so it still worked. Then Eggman six Mecha Sally on Snively. Do as the master says. And he obliges. Eggman still thinks I ought to come up with a better name for her. So, the beam begins to fire from the bottom of the Death Egg, grazing a wing of the tornado... As Nogus orders the crystallized titan metal, serve your new master, Crystal Golem. And the Crystal Titan takes the shot full on, protecting the city and destroying itself in the process. And then, on the ground, Cream finds Bunny, all but her head crystallized and passed out. She and Cheese rescue her from being crushed by a falling crystal. And Vanilla just asks Big to take her to Dr. Quack's. Also, Cream finds someone's doll. She takes it with her, thinking someone could be missing it. It's the Tails doll. So, um, for those who do not know, those who are too young to understand, the Tails doll was a very famous creepypasta meme back in the ye olde internet. 
this was a demonic doll that people kept talking about because it was so weird and strange and only appeared in Sonic R and was very creepy. And people kind of took that to the next level, as they always do with video games, especially creepypasta. So, to spice it to say, Ian with his vast knowledge, uh, this can only end very poorly. Yeah, and uh, it's gonna be the little uh, toy mouse we the cat audience follow for now. Because we know what's gonna happen. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, it's a ticking time bomb, uh, one could say. So that's three disasters that are, that well, two that are happening. One that is uh, a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. We now look to the Freedom Fighter special that was also down in the hit. Sonic and Tails had to bail on the tornado. Amy smashes the door down. Everyone's okay, thanks to Antoine's piloting skills. All right, Sonic says, you guys stay here. I'm going after the death egg. But Amy says, Sonic, no, you look like you can barely stand. But he has to go back. Sally is, she's, Eggman has her. And Amy's holding him back, begging him not to go. And Jeffrey as well, saying, hey, the city's been attacked. We got to go back and help. But Antoine shuts him down. You're in no position to act like you're trying to help. <laughs> True. Uh, That's my fucking boy. Let's got go. Em. Got him, boys. Easy, 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 easy clap. Sonic is begging on his own. Just please let me go. But Tails says, look, we'll get her back soon. But right now the city needs us. The city needs you. So they make the walk to Numa Metropolis through the broken part of the wall destroyed by crystals. And on the dirt ground, Sonic sees real grass growing, not made of nanites. As they hear in the faint distance a crowd chanting, Hooray! Hooray for the king! Cream finds the group, asking them to follow her, and brings them to Bunny. She's being checked on by Dr. Quack, says she's stable, but they need to bring her to the hospital ASAP. Vanilla tries to tell Amy what happened down here, but then they make out the chanting. It's not for them. They're surrounding the crystalline titan metal, King Nogus, standing on it like a prize kill. The crowd saying the king protected them from the giant metal Sonic and the Death Egg. He can protect us from Nicole and Eggman. We want our new king. Let's make that four problems to the list now. We have, we have, we have four problems. Four. <laughs> One of them is earth shattering. The other is pretty earth shattering. One is a ticking time bomb. And now Nogus is probably going to be king. So we have a bit of an interesting scenario. Um, Speed is extremely due diligent, and he always has been. But it seems the archive that he used did not include the story B, which means I'm taking over. I've, I've taken control. Let's talk a little bit about Mr. Ixus Nogus. Rather, let's talk about what happened after the Genesis wave with him. Because if you really think about it, who better to talk about than Nogus? He's arguably becoming one of the most important characters in this story very fast, or for better or worse, mostly worse, but he's starting to get rather interesting. So Nagus wakes up. He is back from whatever that Genesis wave was, shaking, freaking out. Flash of light, all white, gone where? Look at him, cower, says a voice. To think this is what became of us. Arise, Nagus. Show us that true Ixus <laughs> spirit. 
as Nagus kneels before three imposing wizard figures. What manner of sorcery is this? Chaos energy, abused with the power of science, and with the shifting of reality, we are reawakened from your mind. Nagus is extremely confused. From my mind, nonsense, I arose from a deep slumber, my past forgotten and unneeded. So an exposition dump begins. Basically, to sum it up lightly, three old Ixus wizards sought the ultimate power, mastering each other's elementals, mastering each other's elemental powers and disciplines, and competed against the others to become the new masters of their order. But the competition kind of grew too fierce. It damaged their magic. They mixed all of their shit together. It was so overwhelming that they all actually combined into Nagus. So these three wizards, these three sorcerers, are actually what Nagus originally was. Right, and for the record, this is uh, from the older comics as well. This is just a little recap, catching the new guys up. I actually did not know this. This is a good recap for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the voices start to try and wrestle control to take back the body. The rhino, the bat, and the crab. But Naga says enough. He is not letting them take over. Not today. The voices say in response, we cannot be silenced forever. You should settle your accounts with us first. So this is an interesting element. Ixus Nagus has become a schizophrenic. Let's, yeah. He, he's fighting against the demons in his mind palace, to put it lightly. Right, right. Now you have a character who is already like not there mentally. And you're already adding into the mix basically the voices of who he once was trying to wrestle for control. What this kind of tells me is that in the universal, in the original, the old, old universe, at some point, Nagus wrestled control and silenced the three voices. But now with the reset, those voices came back. And now he's kind of back to where he started. That's really interesting. That can cause a lot of little extra chaos in the mix. Absolutely. Especially when you consider that you now have four people in the same body vying for control. And he is being crowned a king. Speaking of that, Sonic the Hedgehog, number 232. Once again, Flynn and Bates are the creative team on this one. We open up. Nagus sees that he has the people's support, kindly asking Elias for the crown. My claims have been cemented. But Elias stresses, Nagus, you once served two generations of the Acorn line. I will not be the one to give up the crown. And Sonic breaks through the two talking, and he screams at the crowd, Have you guys lost your minds? Nagus is the bad guy here. Jeffrey in the back riles everyone up. If we can choose our council, we can choose our king. Sonic responding, do you guys really want to change things up when the death egg is flying around? You really want to do this when Sally's been roboticized? And then the crowd starts to murmur amongst themselves as Jeffrey is noticeably upset about Sally and he tries to contain himself. Elias then grabs <laughs> Sonic. What do you mean roboticized? I thought that wasn't supposed to work anymore. 
I'm sorry, Elias. I, I don't know what to tell you. Eggman did something. The world blanked out for a second, and now roboticizers work. I guess. Sally, she saved us by destroying it, but... And this is where Nagus and the three spirits decide to come into play. Nagus realizes, oh, so this is all the doctor's doing. And the voices begin to haunt him again. One of them tells the other two, hey, be quiet. Let him seize this opportunity. He's proven he's more than powerful, but you can still make him look weaker. Then Nagus proceeds to rile the people up. Do you want a king suffering from heartbreak and loss or someone who will defend you with all his power? The people then cheer for Nagus. Sonic's shouting, oh, dude, you have no class here. Jeffrey shouts, the people have spoken. And he runs, snatching the crown of acorns from Elias's head and puts it on Nagus. The will of the people behind him, welcome in, King Nagus. Various people in the crowd begin to shout, save us from Eggman, save the princess. One dude says brick and mortar. When I read this, I thought he was implying the dude wants like warfare, but he... No, he just wants, like, not to live in nanites. Just just making that clarification clear. Sonic criticizes Jeffrey for this, for betraying Sally. But he says, hey, look, I had my mission to complete first and foremost. Oh, yeah, stinky, racially motivated. You're a real hero. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, like, this next set of comics make Sonic look weirdly racist anyway. Absolutely. It's uh, it's a little, little sus. Jeffrey smacks the hand away, saying, grow up. But Amy brings up a really good fucking point. What about Bunny? Nagus's magic crystallized half her body. A minor mistake in the heart of the battle. Where is she now? The hospital, but you to the hospital! O- okay? We're, we're rolling with it. The crowd follows Nagus. The freedom fighters are in disbelief to the scene of events. As Elias asks Sonic, can you follow them? Go to Bunny for now. I have to get back to the castle too take care of things so sonic runs off elias is scared to face his parents after all this how do i tell them what do i tell them then at the hospital nogs is preparing to help bunny but antoine is being held back by dr quack demanding he not touch her but quack says hey man medicine can't help her in here his brand of hocus pocus is what we need right now and then sonic arrives he asks Nicole to open the walls of the hospital so the people can see this farce. As Nagus tells Bunny, just relax, you won't feel a thing. So Nagus hits her with a flash of light, and the unthinkable happens. Not only is Bunny decrystallized, she is de-roboticized. Entirely. Bunny is now a full Mobian once again. Want to talk about the unthinkable? That's literally unthinkable. It has been established time and time again. It is not possible to de-roboticize Bunny. But I guess Ian Flynn was like, you know what? Look at everything that's happened now. Let's ball. And the best part? Nagus literally does not know how he fucking did it. (laughs) But they're rolling with it. And he turns to the people saying, look, your king has rewarded the heroes of New Mobotropolis for their bravery. And Sonic is amazed by this. Jeffrey thanks Sonic for the nice setup. As he begins to leave the hospital, Amy and Tails catch up to him. What do we do now? Now, you two go to the council. Tell everyone what happened to the Death Egg. I'll handle the rescue plan. He runs off. 
but they try to tell Sonic, hey, you're the only one with the details here. But then we see him running to Freedom HQ, to the lab. Nicole, can you create a warp ring to Angel Island? I need to talk up to Knuckles. And also, can you patch up the city? There's some holes. Uh, Nicole, are you there? And the text box displays on screen. I am here. I was in the handheld on the Death Egg. That was my original body. It's gone now. I was there when Sally sacrificed herself. Sally was my best friend. She's gone now. Folks, Nicole's (laughs) taking this hard. Really hard. Yeah, she's fucked up right now. Holy fuck. I mean, I would be too. Let's, 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 let's let's be real here. Like, she saw it happen. That's the thing. In the span of 20 issues, right? Because 212 was the end of the Iron Dominion arc. She has been demonized by her entire people, vilified by Nagus, turned almost traitor, and then had to watch her best friend die. Do you think you would be sane if you were in that situation, listener? No. 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 So Sonic says that he's going to get Sally back, but he needs to get in touch with Knuckles. Tell him to open her warp ring to Freedom HQ, okay? Can you at least talk to me? Don't hide behind text. Come on, Nicole. Say some... And the warp ring opens. Thanks. Look, we'll we'll talk when I get back, okay? Nicole, we'll talk. Sonic heads through the ring, ending up on Angel Island. Yeah, he finds Knuckles, Julie Sue, and Charmy. Sonic immediately asks Knuckles for a warp ring. Uh, no. Mighty and Ray took one. You just stepped out of the spare. What's going on? So... Sonic explains to him what happened on the Death Egg. And then when he finishes, Knuckles grabs his shoulders, brings him in, screaming in his face, You let Sally get roboticized? And let Eggman get away with her? Oh, yeah, I just let it happen. And when were you going to tell me about the Death Egg? You live on a flying island, you'll see it coming! (laughs) Look, just loan me the warp ring so I can hop over... Find Sally and bring her back safely. No way. Bad idea. What do you mean? It's, it would totally... You're a bad idea. Which, to be fair, given the lore of this character, that's a fair sentence. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the deep cuts, bro. The deep cuts. One, you have to know exactly where you're going to use it. Two, if he hid a whole death egg from you, then who knows what else he's got hidden in there. And three, if you bungle this, Eggman could get the warp ring and use it against us. And Sonic brings up what could arguably be the best counterpoint in this entire comic. If this was about finding all your ancestors, you'd be all for it. And then Julie Sue steps in. And she says, listen, it's not that simple. Now, this next scene kind of um, closes the book on some things. Dimitri found out what happened to the Brotherhood. Doesn't exactly say what, but we tried to use a warp ring to get to them. Even though we knew where to go, it didn't work. Finitivus invented them, so there might be a trick to get them to warp between zones. Even if it worked, we wouldn't know what dangers lie on the other side. That was my point then. That's my point now. So Knuckles sits down and tells Sonic the best thing we need to do, the both of us, just wait for an opportunity to arise. 
Then Sonic storms out to the warp ring. I'll figure something else. Then we see Sonic coming back into the lab. Pails is there, telling him Antoine just arrested Jeffrey for treason. Which Sonic says, man, this is the first bit of good news all day. (laughs) Thank you, God. Fuck Jeffrey. Let's reminate on those good feelings as we go to the next scene. The Death Egg Robotics Lab. Snively reports to Eggman, all systems are still holding. It's a bit slow to charge with our Chaos Emerald missing, but Eggman, not listening to anything he's saying. Working on Mecha Sally. You know, it's a miracle we didn't crash land. We're underpowered and barely flying, all while you're working on one robot. But Eggman just is like, yeah, listen, the Eggmites will handle repair. The Chaos Emerald will be found. And I have a network of refueling stations laid out before I even thought of using the emerald. So relax, get out, and let me work. Now, Sibley is fucking pissed, saying, fine, if you're going to distract yourself like this, I'll take full advantage of the situation. We'll get back to this. We will get back to this. Eggman is joyful with glee, happily taking apart and building on Sally. Oh, little princess, you used to be such a problem for me. You organized that little group of children and managed to upset everything for years. Sonic was your WMD, but you aimed him. You may have saved half of Mobius from me, but you exposed the heart of the Freedom Fighters, and I plan to make the most of that. Now, that's the end of that story. Now, we do have something interesting next. We do have a story B, not written by Ian Flynn. The first story he hasn't written for Sonic in, I think, since the beginning of his tenure. This is actually written by Scott and David Tipton. These two guys were just internal writing staff at Archie at the time. This one story, this is the only work they've ever contributed to the Sonic book. Today, their primary work is on IDW's Star Trek and Doctor Who books. Are those generally well-liked? Uh, I have, I've heard good things about one book that he wrote called Star Trek Mirror, which focuses on the, uh, the mirror dimension. I heard real good things about that one. The Doctor Who books? I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that. But, yeah, to suffice it to say, this is a pretty solid story. So we open, the title of the story, by the way, is Fragile. We open, Bunny. Staring out at New Mobotropolis, fully de-roboticized, as Antoine says, There you are, ma chérie. Folks were wondering where you had gotten off to. Are you okay? She says she feels fine and all, but, you know, it's kind of, kind of weird. I wanted to turn normal for so long, but when my body was Robian, I was able to fly through the sky. That was complete freedom, and now here I am. Grounded. Antoine tries to bring her in, but she pushes him away. My Robian parts are what made me a great fighter for the Freedom Fighters, so... What now? I don't even know if I'm strong enough to fight, but Antoine brings her in and says, Look at me. I don't have any special powers, but I can still fight. I can still do my part. It was never the metal that made you strong, Bunny. It was all you. You'll find a way to fight and contribute, and you will be magnificent. And everything will be fine. So long as we're in it together. And the story ends with Antoine sitting down next to Bunny. And they stare out the window, watching the sunset. 
Adorable little story. Not super long, but I think we talk a lot about, you know, Antoine and Bunny and how their relationship progresses. I think this is probably one of one of their best moments in terms of really cementing the kind of person that Antoine is, right? We've come so far from cowardly little limp dick Frenchman to wife guy king Antoine de Colette. We love him. We love him so much. He legitimately does have the best character development in this comic because go back and look at the older issues and look how he's portrayed. You'll think you're looking at a different character because you kind of are. It's, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, out of everyone who got kind of fucking butchered over the course of this comic's lifespan, it never really happened to Antoine and Bunny, huh? No, in fact, like, it kind of got better for them as time went on. I, I mean, I think it's more of like they, uh, the older writers used Antoine and Bunny as sort of like the couple character. Like, the ones that have the solid foundation and everything will work out and all that. But Ian, when he got on the book, he kind of took that and took it to the natural conclusion. The two got married. They have a solid, super solid relationship. And Antoine just wants the best for her at the end of the day. And Bunny, you know, she's come to her own, come to terms with the Robian parts. And now here we are in a moment where she's back to normal. She can't believe it. And now she kind of, it looks to me like she regrets it. Yeah, it's. It's pretty harrowing when you think about like, oh yeah, she literally had her half of her humanity taken away from her and now she has it again. And it's like, she's questioning that because she had so much power. And such a strong asset to her friends as well. But Antoine reminded her, that's not, you know, you could have done that with or without it. That's, that's the yeah. point of that conversation is you're strong-willed, nothing can stop you. And you just need to channel that into what you have now. You'll figure it out. We'll figure it yes. out together. That's the important part. And that is what makes it so great. And so welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. And now, last time, the last stories were very, very heated. Literally earth-shattering revelations just back to back in the comics. And, um... Things are not looking pretty. So why don't we take away from that uh, <laughs> rather um, interesting scenario and go to a completely different fucking story. Sonic Universe, once again, providing us with another rather interesting arc. Not one that I'm super fond of, though. I will be very honest. Mm -hmm. This is not a super good arc. Uh I enjoyed it, but for different reasons than what the primary reason was. And that's kind of because of one character, I'll be honest. Sonic Universe issue 33, Tracy Yardley both wrote it and did the art for it. It's actually pretty interesting. I feel like maybe this is this is a little bit little bit of an assumption. I don't think Ian likes these characters that much. You don't? No, because I feel like Ian didn't write this, and I feel like maybe he wasn't a huge fan. But Tracy Yardley wrote. And we're dealing with, well, some rogues. Mm, yeah. Jet the Hawk, Wave the Swallow, and Storm the Albatross. Welcome to the Babylon Rogues arc, Babylon Rising. Now, we open issue 33. The rogues have found their way into the Gigan Mountains. They found what they were looking for right under their noses. And they wouldn't have found it in they didn't come across that dusty old book in Soliana after the whole... 
soul emerald fiasco. Jeff figures they were lucky to find it. If they would have left it, they wouldn't have noticed the ancient Babylonian writing on it. And according to Wave, who insists she can read it, this little blue box is indeed the key to the Babylon Garden. Ow. Jet thinks to himself, and to think that old fool thought he'd be the one to find it. We flash back a couple of years ago. Jet answering the summons of the Battle Lord, Cuckoo the 15th, who's telling him it's essential that all under me obey without question, so we can fulfill the great destiny before us. As all loyal members of our avian army of Ow, it is our sovereign birthright to dominate the sky and all beneath us. We only need to swoop down and scoop what is ours. What we seek is the ancient relic of our ancestors, the Babylon Garden, and then use the armada and its power to subdue all who stand in our... Uh, no, stop. Jet says, hey, look, dominating the world? Not what I signed up for. Don't want that responsibility. But I will let you know when I find the garden. That, that's worthy of my time. So this is a bit of uh, interesting characterization. Jet has never really been portrayed with any characterization, so I guess they're trying to give him some, but he's basically, eh... Too much responsibility. You know? Not a fan. No. The Battle Lord considers that the words of a deserter, and then he throws Jet in the brig to inspire some favor to their cause. In the present, Jet notes he's so close to that goal, but then Storm asks, Hey, what is the Babylon Garden anyway? Then Wave begins the exposition dumps. We don't know for sure. It's been lost before time, even before the Battle Cuckoos. Could be a great treasure, or even a weapon or a fortress. And then in a haste, Jet decides to take the key. But Warren waves, hey, hey, it could be booby-trapped. But she ignores that, and then something is triggered when Jet takes the cube. Then we hear a humming. Something is powering up. The next sh shot we see is Dr. Fukurokov in the Armada getting the reading of a Babylonian energy signature. And he runs to tell the Battle Lord about it. And then, in New Mobotropolis, Rotor, he's sulking in his home. And on his computer, sees an unknown energy spike reading, asking to Nicole, Hey, have you seen this? She hasn't. It's been a little difficult to focus with the recent events. You know. Yeah. Rotor then proceeds to ignore the warning. Let's just focus on the new security measures I spoke to Elias about. So, pin in that. We then move to the Gigan Mountains. The rogue's entryway slams shut, and a security system activates. A djinn revealing itself, cutlass in hand, demanding the thieves put back the loot. So saith Angelus, the Babylon Guardian. Wave looks behind, though. Hey, Jet, there's a projector up there. This thing's just a hologram. So Jet taunts it. Oh, so what are you going to do if we just take it? Proceeding the Guardian to... Move the cutlass down, slicing the podium in half. So Wave goes, oh, wow, this hologram was enhanced with a force field for physical touch. Huh, the Babylonians were really technologically advanced. Uh-huh, yeah, okay, cool. So what are we going to, like, do about this? Just start smashing the projectors. The action that Storm was waiting for. So the Guardian protecting itself. Jet tries to distract it. He says he's worthy to hold the key to the garden. Who else could be than the fastest bird in the world? As the Guardian grabs Jet's extreme gear, throws him, leaving Storm to catch Jet by 
breaking his fall with a pillar he just rips out of the ground? Okay, sure. Then he throws the key to Wave. She catches it. Jet dodges a cutlass swing from the Guardian. He boasts about how the might of Babylon lives on in him, and the Guardian insists it is my charge to thwart the assault of Lightless Black. Jet only going, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. He clicks the last projector, and then the Guardian begins to dissipate, leaving a final warning to reverse their transgressions. The place is trash, but we got what we wanted. And then Storm and Wave begin to display some reservations about this. Jet goes, oh, what, now you guys are going chicken on me? I thought we were in this together. Finding the garden is the reason we became the Babylon rogues. Flashback. Mm. Jet breaks out of the brig of the Armada, taking Storm and Wave with him, going to steal what would eventually become their blimp, and wish they could take some extreme gear with them, but for now this blimp will have to do. Wave and Storm showed loyalty to Jet for breaking them out. Wave was in there for unauthorized tampering to Fukuroko's tech, and Storm beat the shit out of a superior officer. I don't like superiors, but I like you, Jet. The plan. We are going to steal the destiny out from under the armada and surpass them in every way as someone screams from behind them. The son of the battle lord, Cuckoo the 16th, Speedy. You know, he says, Jet, you were a pretty cool guy when you first enlisted. So I thought at least. But you're just a punk with no sense of duty. And then Jet tells Wave and Storm, go fire the blimp up. I'll be a minute. Look, kid, I, I know you gotta be loyal to your dad. But honor is for the dead, and duty is for those better off dead. I'm interested in glory, and your pops is holding me back. Oh, so what, you're gonna just walk away? Go rogue? Yeah. And then he's in range, and Speedy tries to home in on Jet. But Jet catches him in the air and brings him in. Listen, you got spunk, kid. You're out of your league. And then Speedy whispers to Jet, take me with you interesting i didn't expect that when i read this take me with you he doesn't want any of this huh kind of more in line with jet at the end of the day huh that's interesting jet rejects him the babylon rogues are going to meet our destiny you got to find your own then in the present storm punches his way out of their hold and when they get outside after dodging a collapsing cave and making out safe, the key is perfectly fine. They come face to face with Speedy, leading a horde of Armada squadrons, saying to the Babylon rogues, it is time to meet your destiny. That's the end of 33. So, all right, got to start. I feel like the last set of comics that we did kind of takes away from hell this. It's, it's weird. I mean... I get what they're trying to do here. They're trying to show that, like, you know, they just want to be free spirits and they don't give a fuck about any of this nonsense. But it's like, I don't know. I don't know. The only interesting nugget here so far is that Speedy kind of, like, wants to follow in Jet's footsteps. He doesn't maybe want to be, you know, have this legacy on his back. That's a little interesting, but, uh, spoilers, they don't really go anywhere with that. So, that's all we got. Yeah. <laughs> Oh well. Let's move on to Universe 34, Tracy Yardley again, writing and doing the art. So Speedy tells Jet, hey, hand over the cube, maybe Dad'll take it easy on you. But Jet refuses, but hey, nice to see that the Battle Lord gave you new big boy pants. Oh, my flight harness. Yeah, it's a superior model to the outdated extreme gear, but Storm just laughs at Jet's comments at Jet's comment of calling it extreme undies. Yeah, okay, sure. Speedy just says, okay, whatever. Between me and the Doc's new pursuit drones, there's no chance of escape. But the rogues fly off on their gear, knocking Speedy off his feet, 
key in hand, as Speedy orders the drones to pursuit. All arms target on the rogues. The Armada can't hit the rogues. Jet says this is the usual craftsmanship of the place. And the Battle Lord comes into Speedy, ordering him, Get that key. We must use the secrets of the Garden to further our empire. Do not fail me, son. We then move inside the Armada ship. Fukurokov tells the Battle Lord the drones will make short work of the rogues. Oh, you mean like the freak fox who made short work of your magnificent mole mech? I'm not taking any chances. Hellsman, plot a course out. We intercept the rogues. Now we continue the chase. Speedy is chasing the rogues as they head into the mountains, demanding they give up the key. But Jet just says, hey, give it up. You can't catch us. You don't have the speed or the skill or the guts. Wave and Storm say following Jet. He's seething. Speedy is. Says, I gave you the chance to surrender peacefully, but now you'll come in pieces. The drones fire eye lasers. One of them singes Jet's top feathers, and they do evasive maneuvers. Storm's idea. Scoops up some snow, pitches a snowball to drone's head, then rips a tree trunk off its trunk to swing at it much to the Battle Lord's disappointment. When Wave looks at a drone, she notices that it has pretty simple construction. There's probably a central connection, to which she jumps over one, pulls a pin out of its back, and instantly dismantles it. Why Why would it be Why would it be designed like that? Speedy is still chasing after Jet. Hey, give me back the key. Oh, which one? F sharp? C minor? Didn't take you for a songbird. Which, by the way, that's a Spider-Man quip. Good one, Jet. Good one. Good one. Like I said before, you're out of your league. As Speedy pulls out a wrist laser, firing at Jet's arm. It grazes him, but he's still holding on to the cube. And now he goes all in, just wailing on Jet. I once respected you. I even wanted to be you. I thought you had it all, but look at you now. You got nothing. Jet pinned to the ground. Speedy ready to fire the laser again. But Jet says, I got one thing you don't. Backup. As Wave kicks him down. Falling into Storm's reach, you made a mistake to take on the Babylon rogues. Your last mistake. Speedy says, hey, go ahead. It'll be better than facing him. He points up to the sky. And then they see the Battlebird Armada's main ship. And then they see the Battle Lord flying out. And when he falls to the ground, he punches the earth. It shatters all around him. And the art combined with this line of dialogue makes it like unintentionally so hard because he says with speedy days behind him, wake up, son. It's time for school. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so the battle Lord low key just kind of shows up and says, yes, I have the power level to back up my title. I'm here now. Hello. Out of all of the th- I was expecting the comic to do, it was not, let's make the battle Lord Senator Armstrong, okay? <laughs> I guess we just gotta roll with it. <laughs> so Jet orders Storm, hey, take the battle Lord out, he hones in on his gear, but then the battle Lord grabs him by the neck and throws Storm into the ground. Wave tries to buzzsaw him with the gear, then it's kicked over the head. When Jet tries to fly in, he's stomped by a force field? keeping him stationary, generated by a ring the Battle Lord is wearing. He says that this is the heirloom of the Battle Cuckoo line for more than 500 years, existed long before that, passed down from father to worthy son. For what it's worth, you gotta thank Fukuoka for fighting out the marvelous attribute of the ring itself. As for Jet, you're in a compressed gravity field, useful but limited. 
So its effects should be wearing off right about now. Jet released from the field, then he's grabbed by the Battle Lord. So by the way, I didn't put this connection up until later, but this ring is supposed to be the gravity ring from Zero Gravity. Oh, oh. Wait, really? Yeah, it has the same design, or like a similar enough design. The Battle Lord tells the rogues, hey, stay back, lest Jet gets snapped like a wishbone. Jet, because you hold so much potential, this will be your one chance at forgiveness. You know, lest the alternative occur. As he begins to choke him, Wave and Storm look at each other, and then they resign themselves. The Battle Lord calls it an excellent choice. Jet's released, and he gives him the key to Babylon Garden. Speedy, though, who is, I think right now, the only sensible person in the room, says, hey, you can't let them back in the Armada. They double-crossed us. They'll do it again. Nonsense. A Battlebird squawk is his bond. That sure is a sentence. They are banned in the Armada. They made fools of us. His dad just screams, ENOUGH! And Speedy just angrily shuts up. Now, since you kindly brought me the key, I can finally reveal the secret passed down the Battle Cuckoo line. He takes off the ring, saying, While we kept this, the cube has been lost to us in ages long past. These two pieces are meant to be whole, and when placing the ring into a crevice upon the cube, not only will this unlock the Babylon Garden, but it will show us its resting place. It generates a map, and it looks like they recognize where the garden lies. Speedy orders the armada, follow the coordinates, and with weapons hot, looks like we got the chance to take out two birds with one stone. Or at the very least, one two-tailed fox. Then, we see Numobotropolis. The citizens are panicking. One of them commenting, oh, King Nogus will save us, blah blah blah. But we also see Tails, Sonic, and Rotor. And Sonic, he's angry. He's really angry. Asking Tails, you think you're getting some kind of deja vu? Yeah, didn't think I'd see them again for a long, long time. Rotor runs off to get Nicole to raise the city defenses. Tails will try to get the tornado up and running again. Sonic just stands there. Anger ever increasing. First Nagus and St. John stick up the city. Racially motivated once again. <laughs> Look, man, it's there. It's 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 just there, bro. Then Eggman tries to wipe us out of existence, and for Sally's sake, we're gonna take these turkeys down. Another racially mo. This is okay. Look, I know I keep bringing it up, and sometimes it feels like I'm just looking for it, but now, but come on, man, like, nah, nah. Really nah, think I, I, about I, I, it. He'll take them down before they even touch this town. Bring it on, battle birds, and they see the armada flying in from the horizon. That's the end of 34. Not much to say about that. Let's just keep the ball rolling with Sonic Universe 35, Yardley again, writing and doing the art. So Nicole raises the shields. She's still distracted and distressed over Sally, but Rotor asks her, can you do some quick repairs to the tornado? And while she does it, she collapses to her knees. Look, it's done, but the whole city's begging to take me offline, and with Sally, I, I, I just can't. But Rotor comforts her again. One more thing I need you for. That's, that's, some, that's some hardcore PTSD, man. She's, like, feeling it. She really is going through it. I... Ugh, it, it, it hurts to see after a while, you know? So, in the Armada, the Battle Lord's office, Sitrep, Dr. Fukurokov. Well, since the encounter with one miles per hour, we've gathered much useful data. The city below is made entirely of nanites run by an operating system called Nicole. Defenses are limited, but it's effective at... It, 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 stop. What I want to know, will that gadget of yours work? Oh, this? Yes, this remote will work. I'll stake my life on it. Good. Because you are. 
and the former rogues are ready for their first mission as reinstated members of the Battlebird Armada. Good, very good. So then he speaks over the intercom to the whole ship. By chance of fate, the Babylon Garden, which he had been seeking since time immortal, is buried underneath the home of our despised enemies. In one fell swoop, we will take vengeance and take hold of our destiny. Let the operation cuckoo commence! That's funny. That's that's a that's a very interesting line. So we then begin to see it commence. Wave flies over the shield of the city and uses the doctor's remote. She presses a button and then the shield opens. Elias, while he's not the king anymore, still tells the, the citizens, get to your evacuation points. And then the citizens are just going a, li- a little bitch mode about this, going, hey, can he still give orders? What do you mean evac plans? No, shut up. Go. And that's what Rotor says. He's wearing his nanite suit. This isn't the time for debate. We gotta go. Move it. So then Rotor flies up into the sky. Tails flying on the tornado, Sonic and Amy on the wings. They're headed right for the Armada's main ship, but Jet comes in between them, calling their attention. Sonic wonders, God, what do the rogues have to do with this? As he jumps down to Jet's board to ask directly, Hey, yo, Jetski, you need to punch my bad guy invasion card. I get the next one free. In action, Wave comes in close to Sonic, trying to spin kick him, but he dodges. Able to take her out and storm in a nice three-hit combo. Incredible. Further up, Amy, Rotor, and Tails are fighting Armada grunts. Rotor asking, Tails, what did you do to piss them off so much? Hey, look, they kind of started it. I'm honestly surprised they took the grudge this far, but maybe there's like something else going on here. So then Amy lands back on the wing. They may have started it, but we're going to finish it. Then from below, King Nogus flies up on an updraft. The magic will save them again, as once again, the voices of his former selves are talking to him. You sure this is a good idea? You haven't been yourself lately. Or say ourself. Quiet! I destroyed the Titan Metal Sonic, so this mechanized air fleet will fare no match for my magic. Then on the ground, Sonic is racing the rogues, telling them, Listen, I don't know what you're doing with the Armada right now, but look. Nagus is back, and he's gonna wipe the floor with his magic, so you guys really don't stand a chance. Jumping off Storm... He dodges a punch, which leads him to hit himself. Hey, besides, guys, you're not the, exactly the sharpest quills in the drawer. And then Jet pulls out the gravity ring under his glove. Sharper than you, hedgehog. Nagus is seen flying up to the bridge of the Armada's main ship, crystallizing the deck, saying, you know, who this will make a prime flagship to spread the rest of my rule across Mobius. So now we're seeing a little bit of Nagus's intentions here. Okay, yeah, all right, sure. Then the Battle Lord arrives up, introducing himself as the leader of the Battlebird Armada. To whom do I have the pleasure of addressing? I am King Ixus Nagus, bearer of the crown of acorns, wielder of the ancient Ixian magic. Ah, a wizard. The wizard. Wizards. You rely on magic to achieve your goals. My chief engineer relies on his machines. My preferred means, however, are brute force. And he punches Nagus in the gut. Yeah, this guy, Um, I take back the fact that he's lame. He's very based. I wasn't kidding when I said he was pulling Senator Armstrong on us. Look at him. If you tell me he's pulling out the nano machines next, I'll believe you. Yeah, no, for real. So, back in the city, civilians are evacuating. Antoine is carrying Bunny out of the hospital to take her to Freedom HQ. She says she can walk, but Antoine refuses her to go on her own. Right now, you are but the delicate flower. 
They come across Elias and Jeffrey. He's being moved with his guards, still awaiting trial. So Antoine tells Elias, this is the last of the evacuees. We're moving to the nearby woods for shelter. The royal family is with you. Then Elias calls for Nicole materializes next to him. She finished the city restore point you suggested, Rotor. The nanite shouldn't have a problem repairing any damage to the city. And she's backed herself up to Freedom HQ servers. But Nicole says nothing. Elias tries to comfort her about the Sally situation, but again says nothing and just dematerializes. Now back up in the sky, Tails and Amy are about to fly onto the deck of the Armada ship, but then Speedy rushes in to scoop Tails out of the pilot seat, which causes the tornado to spin out of control now Amy's in danger, and Rotor in his suit has to go rescue her. And Speedy says, look, dad's gotta dig something up from under your town. You picked the wrong set of real estate. By the way, I do like how the comic has turned Speedy into, like, Tails's like, antagonist. It kind of shows character growth for Tails, really. Yeah, for real. I kind of wish there was a scene of Sonic going, oh, wow, you've got your own nemesis, oh, they grew up so fast. That'd be cute, come on. Yeah. So back on the ground, Sonic is still racing the rogues. Jet's saying, all right, we've kept you busy long enough. So Sonic realizes what? This was a distraction? And he homes in on Jet, lunging at him. But Jet uses the gravity ring to place him in a bubble. Then the rogues race off, leaving Sonic in the stasis. As in the sky, Tails and Speedy are fighting. And the Battle Lord is just kicking the shit out of Nogus, not even breaking a sweat. And the dock comes in over the intercom. Alright, we're in firing position. So then, the Battlelord kicks off Nogus' staff. You know, I wonder if it was just happenstance or some grand design you had your city built on top of ancient relics of unfathomable power. Regardless, I'm taking what's mine and what's yours is in my way. Beatty has Tails in a bind, saying, Tails, you know what, man? You're pretty good. Sorry about this. Tails comments that only my friends call me Tails, but... Speedy throws him into Nogus, knocking them both out. Battlelord saying, Would have been nice meeting you, but the real pleasure is in ending you. So my son, let us savor this moment. Like a phoenix rising from the ashes of this wretched city, the Babylon Garden shall rise. Sonic is then released from a gravity bubble, falling on his face. But when he sees the Armada ship directly over the city, he has this look of... This look of anger. He's running at maximum speed to the town. The ship charges the laser. The citizens only watching in fear. Nagus landing directly in the city. And Nicole uploads herself to Freedom HQ. The order to fire is given. And thus in a green laser from the bottom of the ship. New Mobotropolis has been obliterated. <laughs> Entirely. Uh, Entirely. Yeah, of all the things that could have happened... Destroying Sonic's home in a side comic. Very bold, Tracy Yardley. Very, very bold. Yeah, very bold. Why don't we finish this story off? Sonic Universe number 36 again. Yardley writing, doing the art. And last comic for our episode tonight. Nagus wakes up. The laser is directly in front of him. His kingdom has been destroyed and all he can do is meld away into the shadows. The citizens are shocked to see this happened. Oh, why didn't Nicole stop us? What good is that hologram for anyway? Yo, yo, fuck these guys. Yeah, for no, real. for real, fuck these dudes. Like, no, really, though, like, 
They spend all this time, like, harassing her, essentially, and they come begging to her for help. SMH, dude. It's almost like people are insane. We should return to Knothole. Back to basics. Brick and mortar, they say. As in front, Rotor is talking to Elias. Nicole hopefully was transferred to Freedom HQ servers. In case not, Rotor could run the nanites himself, but it would be slow. And honestly, would the people even let me do that? They all then see the Babylon rogues fly overhead. They see the crater the laser left behind. Jess tells him, you know, if you think I'm just going to let the Battle Lord claim it for himself, he's got another thing coming. Then we see him. Ecstatic not only to get revenge, but also to uncover their destiny. The rogues only need to use the key to unlock the garden, and nothing can stop us now. Then we see Sonic, racing, following the rogues, jumping into the crater with them. And he falls towards them. Guys, for real? Make a fool of me? Blow up my town? Put everyone I care about into jeopardy? Right! glad you see it my way okay dude you, you don't you don't get sarcasm sonic homing attacks into jet pinning him fist clenched oh no gravity hold guess you're not quick enough on the draw yeah wave says can't say the same for you true blue and wave stops sonic with the gravity ring in her hands jet moves away let's get what we came here before pinhead another racially motivated comment but it's not from sonic this time okay that's progress puts his quills where he doesn't belong oh gee thanks for the help wave no problem jet just doing my part for the team yeah yeah okay thanks you're a lifesaver look let's just get what we came here for all right after all once we put the key in we won't use that trick anymore inside they realize the babylon garden is some kind of metallic structure Wave scans the area with her Omnilink scanner. Storm thinks it's a game bird advance. The garden turns out to be some kind of vessel. Uh, vessel? Like the thing on Jet's head when I talk too much? She means a ship, bird brain. The main control <laughs> center is past that door, displaying a Babylonian sigil. They walk into a table of some kind, and then Jet puts the gravity ring into the key, and then the key moves itself to a hold on the table center, and there's a humming noise. A machine gets up from the table, bound to it, saying that the directional matrix was removed a millennia ago. Now it can resume navigation. Wave just asks, um, what do you mean by that? But can't get an answer. Sonic burrows into the room, pinballing off the rogues, landing onto Jet. So this is what you destroyed my town for? Oh no, look, destroying was just icing on the cake. This is just proof I accomplished something no one else could. <laughs> you accomplished you needed these two and the armada to find this place what is this anyway why didn't nicole build on top of this place anyway so the babylonian navigator uh explains it was not nicole that built the nanite city here she never probed to this depth and found of my existence the program adam detected my systems and built the nanite city to tap into my reserves into the power to expedite the transportation of the mystic gemstones from across the far reaches of space and we're getting the why are we getting the the pen why stuff are, back? yeah yeah what is what is what is good this is i mean if you guys want like a real reason why i'm not a huge fan of this arc why i seem a little out of it i feel like there's too much going on for a side arc you know kind of sort of i think you know what i want to save that comment for the end let's do let's do it all at the yeah, end yeah, all right yeah, 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 yeah. so sonic says oh you mean the chaos emeralds scattered across the galaxy how would that help Adam sought to use a wormhole generator the garden is equipped with, but without the ignition, it could not be used, so Adam sought other methods. Oh, so this is a spaceship! The ancient Babylonians removed the ignition matrix because they found out the wormhole generator had a massive, irreparable function that, if used, 
would create a black hole that would destroy the world. Okay. Okay. The Babylonians did not want that responsibility. And they settled on this world. The ship was then hidden to prevent this from being found out in the future. Sonic then realizes the Babylon rogues, and by extension, the rest of the Battlebird Armada, are descendants of aliens. Sure, okay, uh Okay, alright, fine. Storm holds Sonic down while they all figure this out, but the navigator says, with the ignition restored, the course will resume and will fly into orbit to initiate the wormhole jump, I suggest the evacuation of the planet as the resulting black hole will destroy everything in sight. So the four panic. As the garden begins to break free of the earth and rise, the battle lord shouting, anchor the ship to the garden, where it goes, we go. Doctor, have you contacted the rogues? Uh, no response. Oh, he figures they're taking the garden for themselves. Speedy, Go board the garden and find them. He obliges, but as he leaves, uh, I wonder how many weeks I'd get in the break for saying I told you so. Then in the garden, Jet figures this must be what the lightless black the Guardian was warning about. Sonic frees himself from Storm's hold, fully intending to destroy the Navigator, but Jet holds him down again. Look, I want to know more about the Babylonians. Um, uh, autopilot. I am a descendant of Babylon. I order you to stop. Insufficient clearance. Order denied. I must return to the homeworld for repairs. Dot shit. Okay, uh, Wave, can you reprogram it? Mm, probably, but I, uh, I have a lot of time for that, and we don't have that time. We only have a few minutes until the wormhole jump. Okay, let's get the key out of the ignition, to which Sonic says, allow me. But then Speedy flies in, knocking all of them down. No, allow me. Gets in Jet's face. You know... I should just leave all this and let Mobius be destroyed, but how's that for a great destiny? No, I want to savor your defeat. Let Dad pluck your feathers out one by one, and I'll be the savior of Mobius. I just gotta get the... key. It's gone! And the warning siren begins to blare. Sonic, key in hand, says, You birds are lucky I'm the good guy. If I weren't, I'd make sure you guys couldn't fly out of here before this all comes crashing down. Okay, that's a fucking line. Um, uh, yeah, uh, geez. Th- this, this, this man is, is so fucking over it. I, 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 I understand something. It, out of context, this does seem a little out of character, but think about it. Like, Sonic lost his girlfriend to his mortal nemesis, and she is a cold, unthinking machine hell-bent on destroying him. So naturally, Sonic's got a lot of anger, and he will take it out on the first person he sees. That deserves it, obviously. He still has a moral compass. So, I understand. It does make sense. It's as if, like, in a Spider-Man comic, Mary Jane was killed, and then Spider-Man, like, snaps a dude's neck. Like, you don't expect that to happen, but you understand, right? Yeah, it's it makes sense from, from this moment in time. He's just fucking, he's so over this shit. Sonic then destroys the key. The navigator warning the loss of power will lead to an imminent crash landing. I'd like to stay and make stuffing out of you turkeys. Another racially motivated moment. Sonic, what the fuck? I'm calling HR. Gotta go back. Gotta make sure my friends and family are okay. If anyone isn't, you better go home. And you better hope you can run faster than me. Sonic opens the escape hatch, letting the vacuum suck him out into the sky. The rogues are on their boards following suit. Jet's upset he can't learn more about Babylon, but... We gotta go. Speedy tells him, for what it's worth, at least you don't have to explain this to my dad. Sonic lands on a mountainside. He's secure. The Battle Lord orders an abandoned ship, launches the bridge eject hatch. 
Oh, the rogues will pay for this. They will pay. The garden crash lands. It's destroyed. Sonic arrives back to the crater of New Metropolis. Everyone's fine and safe. We're all accounted for. Even Nagus. He popped out of a shadow a minute ago, but he's acting a little weird. And he's just seen in the background muttering, shut up, shut up to himself. Roder said he directed the nanites to begin reconstruction from his suit. But without Nicole, it's going to be a slow process. But we know she's uploaded to Freedom HQ. Sonic takes Tails with him. Tails, I think we got a score to settle with some alien losers. And then the story ends with the Babylon rogue seeing the destroyed gardens. They're all reeling from the fact that they're descendants of aliens. But Jet says, hey, you know, that kind of ups the ante. Because now I got to prove I'm the fastest thing in the universe. And the three fly off on their extreme gear. And thus is the end of Sonic Universe 36. That's the end of the comics we got today. Um, okay, so now it's the time for discussion. This arc, I don't know, I think Tracy Yardley has done writing for the comic before, like in the Sonic X books. So I think the issue here is that he just got a little too overeager and just wrote in a lot because he just wanted to have the chance to write Sonic. And all those characters, because he just thought, well, I'm never going to have this chance again, so I'm going for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I agree, but, like, there's just so much going on. Oh, it's a Babylon Rogues arc, and then it's an arc with Sonic in it, and the Battlebird Armada, and it just, there's so many things going on, and it doesn't feel like things mesh it's not bad, it's just really messy and all over the place. And it's not me being, like, rude or mean or trying to, like, implicate Tracy as, like, you know, like, oh, he's a bad writer. No, no, not at all. Like, this is perfectly serviceable for the comic. Like, if I'm a kid reading this and it's consistent with the quality of the comic so far, I go, yeah, alright, this is nice. I don't hate it. This is fine. It does connect to some certain pieces, like Jet and the Rogues are abandoned the uh, the Battlebird Armada. Okay, cool. I feel like what it could have been, it would have been a lot better. Just remove the Sonic element from this. At the very least, it would have been a little less cluttered if you want to have the Rogues to the Armada connection. Then it would have been fine. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much how I feel. This is this is a weird arc. I wasn't, I mean, I, I you could kind of tell by the way I was not really talking. I just, I didn't really have a lot to say. There's a couple of interesting lines in here, but... It just feels like a big exposition dump. But I can commend Tracy Yardley for trying. I commend him. The art in this art is great. The writing, it I just don't think the story works for what they want to go with. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Like it, not 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 everything is gonna be a home run. And I think that's what's important to mention. Just because we don't really or our general consensus is that we don't really spend a lot of time with this arc and we don't really care about it that much, you know? And I'm not yeah. saying this in a uh, I, I, it's it's a hard way to phrase it, but like for me personally, right? Just to to make this to try and not implicate both of us, right? I feel but this arc, it's just very all over the place. It needed more focus and more direction. And you know what? That's okay. Not every arc is going to be a home run. And sometimes you got to have a little slip up. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know, if I, on a scale, this is like a C plus, you know, not horrible, could have been better. This is passable. This is a passable arc. It is, it is passable. That is the, that is the perfect way to put it. This is a passable arc at worst, which I think is better than complete and total fucking dog shit, which this arc is not. It's completely passable. And I, I don't know. I also feel like the uh, 
a lot of what was going on here was kind of killed with the main Sonic stuff because in the Sonic comics, we were going like boom, 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 changing after change after change, massive ramifications that will change the comic forever. Multiple dominoes have been kicked down on this episode, folks, multiple dominoes. And then we go to the Sonic Universe stuff, which again, perfectly passable, perfectly fine. But the momentum that we had kind of kills it. Just a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, a bit of a momentum killer. That's okay. Like we said, not everything's going to be a home run. But, mm. you know, uh, the main comics. Haha. <laughs> Hope you guys are ready. Uh, Sonic Universe next time is going to be, um, let's just say, very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. Because uh, Snively had a little line earlier in the episode. Don't know if you caught it, but um, that's where we're going. And at the top of the episode next time will be the trial of Jeffrey St. John. And that is where we're going to learn some, uh, how we got here, let's say, as far as Jeffrey is concerned. Yes. Hope you guys are ready for that because, uh, good fucking lord. And thus ends this episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. Folks, we will see you next time for more of these fantastic Sonic the Hedgehog comics. And hey, something further on in the horizon? Little little crossover on the horizon. Little big thing. You got something very exciting going on in the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See you then.